Oh, they're in Thailand. Oh my gosh, how tacky. All right. Oh, monkeys, horses, elephants. Oh, now it's getting better. Waterfalls, statues. Oh, no. Oh, and a gaggle of very white looking um, girls walking along the beach. Welcome to Bachelor First Impression, the show where I force someone who has never watched The Bachelor to watch an episode of The Bachelor. They record their first impressions. He gave her a rose. Apparently that's symbolic of something. And then we talk about it. Do you think that it's possible to fall in love in just a few weeks? <laughs> yes, I do. do you, but why? I am very romantic. <laughs> Besides, it happened to me. My guest this week is Helena Shikawa. She's a licensed clinical social worker, a therapist, and she and her husband, Yuki, run a vegan food truck in Denver, Colorado. Yuki asked me to marry him on our second date. <laughs> and I said, yes. Yuki's explanation is that, um, is that people can recognize each other from past lives. And uh, we've been married for a really long time. And we're very committed. And we're very happy. And um, I, I adore him. And I still have a major crush on him. And I think... This is after 38 years of marriage. So, yes, I do believe that people can fall in love in just a few weeks' time. I don't know if people can fall in love in front of a camera. It's absolutely gorgeous scenery. I just wish they would stop talking so I could enjoy the scenery. Can you um, walk me through the plot of the episode that you watched? Oh, my God. I don't know. That's the plot? I like watching the cute little monkeys. Oh, I think we just saw a taper. One of my favorite animals. Oh, wow, the jungle. That might... Oh, and there's a girl with something with a big band-aid on her chin. That's interesting. So apparently the plot involves these girls trying to have a relationship. This is really funny. She wants to progress and move forward with a guy who is literally looking like he's made out of plastic. Apparently he is a virgin. And I had no idea until this woman is facing the camera and saying, we're very different people. I'm not a virgin. <laughs> so his shtick, I guess, is that, you know, he's sweet, whatever, 20-something, and never been fucked. No wonder they all want him. He's STD-free. <laughs> but anyway, apparently that's part of the plot. And in this particular episode, um, he was making sort of goo-goo eyes and commitments at uh, uh, several of the young women, and one of the women, this is what struck me. Okay, so one of the women, um, <laughs> it was so funny, it reminded me of, um, of a movie that um, Woody Allen did. So this girl apparently had never been kissed, but when she had her one-on-one -on -one time date with him, she like runs and hugs him and lifts herself up and wraps both legs around his waist. Okay, now this girl wants to make out with him. Really? Okay, this other girl. I don't know, they kind of all look alike. Okay, so now even I'm wondering if he's going to kiss her or not. Oh, now they hugged. She still didn't kiss him yet. Okay, they're kissing. Finally. Oh my gosh, it's about time. This is hilarious. Under her name, like whatever, Heather, it says, has been kissed. <laughs> this is hilarious. Oh my gosh, they're still kissing. I will lose my mind if the entire show is like this. So then this girl's been ki got kissed, 
and then he's making goo-goo eyes at this other girl, and then um, this young woman who um, thought that they had a connection, she feels that they that she can't accept the fact that he has connections with other women, so she decides to leave. Okay, he's worried about getting hurt, and this woman left his his uh, hotel room in tears, hysterical, got into a car and drove away. And he's worried about getting hurt. His butterfly wings have been bruised. He seems the most fragile out of everyone here. And then the other part of the drama is that these two young women start fighting because one accuses the other of being a bully and one and, and the other denies that she's a bully. Okay, wait a minute. Nicole said that she was here so that she could have an opportunity to leave Miami. What's wrong with that? Oh, somebody's not here for me fully. Oh, who wants to be there for you, honey? I don't. Throughout it all, this, this bachelor was relating how everything was affecting him instead of saying, you know, women, you're stuck in this position in a house with each other and competing for me and I'm getting all this attention and I'm choosing, making all these choices and it must really stink for you. And instead of saying that, he was saying, oh man, this stinks for me. I'm getting upset. So at that point, I felt uh, I will break my, my ethical bounds and I will say, I felt like he was like this is a stark raving narcissist. Either that or he was being coached to say things like that. Oh my God, why are you in love with a narcissist? Run, honey, run. Run as fast and as far as you can. So the, the ba- so Colton became The Bachelor when he was a contestant on The Bachelorette and he lost. So he was one of those girls to... So I, I, yeah, I, I got that because he was talking about it. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't improve his ability to empathize with the women that he was doing that to. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't able to say, gosh, I felt crappy when it was done to me, so I'm not going to do it to them. Yeah, and that's kind of, yeah, you'd want to see that, right? Or you think, so. Yeah, you would see, you would want to see that in a, in a person, like that you would find attractive. Is empathy something you learn? Is it something you're born it's with? A is it something? Really, empathy is like a really, really, really big, hot-button topic, scientists have discovered that there is actually a gene and uh, that sociopaths, people who lack empathy, are actually born that way, not necessarily made that way. And because I worked with such a very ill population of children, that included children with grave psychiatric issues, the whole idea of empathy and helping to install empathy and knowing that there were limits to what certain people could empathize with or be empathetic about was quite an eye-opening experience. What people tend to do is think how they feel is, is how we all feel. So the fact that you are an empathetic, an empathetic person, you just feel that empathy is kind of like Everybody's empathetic, or everybody has the capacity for empathy, and not everybody does. There's something else called theory of mind. If you yourself have theory of mind, that means that you recognize that other people have minds, right? That other people have feelings and thoughts and needs 
and that these feelings, thoughts, and needs are as legitimate as yours. But so if you don't have a theory of mind, it means that you just are unable to recognize that somebody else has a feeling, a need, or a thought. So you can't figure out why that person is crying when you took their orange because you wanted to eat their orange, right? And you don't understand that they wanted to eat their orange too. That's one lack of empathy. Another lack of empathy is you want the orange, you took the orange, and you don't care that the other person is crying. Who cares? I, don't, I know you wanted the orange, but I wanted it, and I'm me, so I took it. So there, and I'm bigger than you are, so na 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 foo foo so there. There are some people who have a great deal of capacity for empathy, and some people have no capacity for empathy. And what, um, what, what scientific studies and researchers are discovering is that yes, indeed, people, there are some people who are born without the capacity to empathize. Can empathy be taught? Yes, absolutely. Empathy can be taught. Um, empathy can be taught. It can be encouraged. And even if somebody doesn't have a real sense of empathy, what you can then teach somebody is the cash value of empathy. In other words, that if you are kind to others, whether you really feel like like you can't, like you give a shit or not, you your life will be easier. You'll have more friends. You'll just have a. It'll just be easier to live in the world if you're kind to other people. So there's all different levels of empathy. There's all different ways that empathy or empathy-like behaviors can be installed in people. Okay. So, um, but yes, of course, these things are spectrum, and uh, many many sociopaths go on to live, you know, have marriages, have families, you know, do jobs, and don't go and treat people badly. But they still sort of feel that they're the center of the universe and don't really care. So there's this therapist who's part of the casting process, and then she's Mm -hmm. on call 24-7. She does this, like, psychological testing with everyone that makes it the final round of cast auditions. Mm -hmm. What do you think she's looking for? How would you handle that position? I think that position has a multiple multiple reasons of existence. One might be to weed out those people who are either trying to game the system and, you know, kind of lie about what they're doing or why they're doing it or whatever, um, and also weed out those people who might be a little bit fragile psychologically and would be just traumatized or distraught, made distraught about what's going on, but also to find those people who are comfortable being in front of a camera, comfortable with drama, and who would might enjoy it, you know? I mean, it's a corporate job, right? And she's given a mandate. And so I don't know what her mandate was. Was her mandate to say, pick the most dramatic, pick the most flamboyant, and don't pick those people who would like tend to freeze on camera or be upset or anything like that. Or um, maybe the mandate was make sure that we don't get any people with really significant personality disorders on camera. Or maybe, and, not even or, but and, and maybe she's there for litigation purposes. So, well, you know, it's not our fault. We did test for these things. Okay, so... Um... Now they're sitting down on the couch. 
Oh, and she's theoretically wearing her statement dress, as it was called. Oh, now he's crying. You know, I think this show is not so great because it puts these poor people through a lot of intense emotions. I'm not so sure that this is really something... I mean, I don't know why people would watch people in pain like this. And now they're just really struggling with pain. I'm watching this and I'm thinking, what's going on here? Is it, why do people watch this stuff, right? Why do people want to watch conflict and other people who are crying and obviously in pain? And at first I thought it become some sort of, you know, Schadenfreude, right? Like, that? um, Schadenfreude is kind of like, a uh, very human desire to watch people fuck up or to watch people have problems, to watch people be humiliated, to sort of get their comeuppance or something like that. And it's very human. It's a very uh, common emotion. But like we feel that we can't control the bad things that go around or that bad people that good things happen to bad people. So we have this enjoyment of watching people get their come up because mm-hmm. it seems to satisfy, you know, it's, it was a fascinating study done um, quite a few years ago. And very, very, and we, we're talking about pre-verbal infants. We'll, we'll show, we'll display enjoyment if somebody gets it, if somebody who has too much of something gets a come up and gets it taken away from them. And what we're learning through these studies is that human beings are really hardwired in a way that we have no idea. Even very, very, very young preverbal infants are hardwired to recognize not particularly the difference between three and four, but are definitely hardwired to recognize the difference between a lot and a little. And so they respond much more agitatedly and happily if they see like, 15 ducks on the screen rather than three ducks on the screen, you know, three cute duckies on the screen. And then they get really annoyed. They just, they display symptoms of annoyance if one baby has like more ducks than the other baby. And they get, and they display enjoyment if those ducks get taken away from the baby that has more ducks. So maybe that's what it is. But then I started thinking in therapy and also in people's hearts, there's a million different reasons why we all do things. So who am I to say, oh, you bad people, you're just enjoying other people's pain? And so I started thinking about it a little differently. And you know that a lot of this is scripted. So for me, this is the kind of thing like, why do, why do people watch scary shows? Because a part of us knows that it's not real. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's kind of safe to be scared because we know that, you know, a 12-foot chicken isn't going to stomp us to death. So when we watch it, we get all scared and excited. We're, we can allow ourselves to be scared and excited because we know that it's not going to really happen. So that's really interesting. That's exactly, I, I read this um, book called The Empathy Exam, uh-huh. and there's a chapter on reality television. Oh. And the woman finds this quote from some famous philosopher that he said that bliss is fear without repercussion. Oh, okay. And that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? Yes, yes, exactly. She can't figure out what he's thinking. I don't care what he's thinking. 
To be continued, the drama continues. They're fighting over this guy who is like, I don't know, not very worthy of fighting over. And now these stupid commercials again. I do not want Taco Bell delivered to my home. Trust me. I don't know which I find more offensive. This TV show or Olive Garden? I might be misunderstanding and, cre and, and not paying any attention, close enough attention, but it seems that this drug Humira, which is being advertised very heavily, is being, it's just a sort of panacea. It seems like you can take Humira for anything. And also, you can wash anything in Woolite.